looking for something that I usually have and find, but I don't see it here today. Now, that's interesting. Um, I have a responsibility this afternoon uh, to go with Louise over to another sister church in our presbytery, and I've got a bunch of notes for that. <laughs> and, um, and I have my main notes here, but I, there's one particular page that I was looking for, and I apparently uh, did not uh, come up with it or have it with me. So uh, we'll do the best we can uh, under the circumstances. All right? All right. Um, if, if, you haven't been, if you have been here for a while, you know that we're in a consecutive expository uh, series in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, our, we're now in the 12th chapter of Luke, and our scripture reading today is going to come from Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 48. 35 through 48. And I remind you, this is the word of the Lord, hear it with careful attention and appreciation. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom has his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master's delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much 
was given. Of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides and remains forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, once again we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. We ask for the presence of his nearness to us, his revealing to us the sacred scriptures and learn and helping us understand them that we might bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, as you know, you know it already because we told you a couple of weeks ago and we're telling you again today, you saw the, on the screen, we are having an outreach event on the 14th of July out under the stars and under our oak trees. And there you see uh, the FBC movie night uh, uh, poster for that. And, of course, you notice uh, as the, the lights are going to be uh, bright. Hopefully, we're going to have a screen out there to be able to, to show the movie. As I already told you, popcorn, popsicles, it's going to be a grand occasion. And we're waiting until it gets a little later, uh, until about 8 before we start, so that w things will cool down, hopefully, a little bit. Uh, and uh, we'll be able to enjoy the evening under the stars uh, in our air, new area that we've been clearing. And so thanks to, again to all of you that are, that are doing that. Now, Lord willing, as I said, we plan to show Jesus' revolution. And as I told you last week, if you were here, I said some of us, some of us from that time period, from that era, were converted in the midst of that spiritual revolution. I was one of those, and I have got a long train of guys from, and girls from Gadsden that were part of that as well, and that continues to go on today, it continues to, to bear fruit. Uh, and one of the most popular songs of that era was a 1970s hit entitled, Are You Ready?, by none other than the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. <laughs> now, some of you don't know who that is or what that is, but believe me, if you'd been, th been there at that time, you, you would have you really uh, dug that music. You would. Um, uh, so what is unique about it, about that song, Are You Ready? What is unique is that the song portrays the coming of Jesus to restore all things and presents the question to the listener, are you ready? Are you ready? That's how, and the first verse went like this. And that's where, again, I, I guess I'm not going to be giving you that first verse because that's where those notes are that I can't seem to get my hands on right now. So uh, I guess not going to have that. Um, but anyway, it's, 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 it is talking about... Um, are you ready? 
you know what, I could probably find it on, on the phone, if, uh, but I can't, I'm not going to stop and take the time for that. But it talks about, again, the readiness. Are you ready? Uh, and, and Jesus is coming to take you home, it, state, it states. And then it also says that later on at the end, and I was going to quote that as well. But for now, keep that question in mind. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, last week we saw that Jesus showed his followers the danger of worldly-minded greed. That was basically, and Jesus told them to not be afraid and not be anxious as well in that text last week. But now, today, the focus is more heavenly-minded, if you will, of matters of things to come. And our Savior spent much of his time here on earth talking about the things to come, specifically the kingdom to come, and his followers' eternal stake and citizenship in that kingdom. Now, he told them, watch for greed. He told them, don't be anxious, though. And he told them, To be worry-free is not the same thing as being careless. Jesus wanted them to be worry-free, but he wasn't urging them to carelessness, but rather to readiness. And that's largely what he's talking about here in this text today. Worry-free living does not mean carelessness. Jesus knew that the road ahead for him would be long and it would be hard before his time to return to the Father would come. He knew that one day he would be exalted in glory, but it was still a long ways off and many things still to happen. And so he had been preparing his disciples, for the long, hard journey that he was going to have to carry, and they were going to be along with him in many ways. And he now tells his disciples that they were to live on the alert. They were to live watching and waiting. They were to be vigilant, aware not asleep at the switch. So here's the very simple outline today for this communion uh, Sunday. The expected return and the unexpected return. Jesus tells two little parables in verses 36 through 38 and verses 39 through 40. Jesus illustrated this readiness concept. And that's what he was focusing on to his followers. But within those followers, remember, they're probably uh, spiritual leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, etc. And there are the, the, the broader crowd, and then there are the intimate disciples, and then there are the twelve. Question we're going to find out is, which is which? Who's he really talking to here? Jesus 
illustrated this readiness with two metaphors taken from everyday life. The first involves the arrival of something unexpected. Unexpected. This is not something that should have caught anybody by surprise. That's in verses 36 through 38. And then the second, someone unexpected shows up in the play. And that's in verses 39 through 40. So one is expecting someone to come. The other is not at all anticipating that. Now, the first illustration involves a well-to-do man, a wealthy landowner, uh, attending a wedding feast. He goes off and has a feast on this uh, occasion. And if you know anything about Middle Eastern, ancient Middle Eastern um, marriages, you know that was not just an afternoon affair. It was sometimes could roll on for weeks, certainly throughout a week and maybe longer. A lot of that had to do with whether the wine and what the food that uh, uh, would, would hold up. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a long affair. And yet, there was no question that his household members that were in charge of things while he was gone, they had absolutely no doubt that in time, sooner or later, he was going to come. He was going to get there. And they would be ready to receive him and to provide what he needs as their master. So that's what they were expecting. And that's what Jesus is saying in this first metaphor. This guy goes off, but he's expecting to return. And all his folks in his household, they're ready to do their jobs to embrace him and protect care of him and tend to him when he gets there. Now, the second illustration that's the first the first is servants that were faithful and attentive and they would be ready for the arrival of their master but when the master arrived at last there was a tremendous surprise they knew he's coming and when he did come but something came along with that. The master of the house says he will gird himself for service. This is the big kahuna. This is the, this is the guy. He's the Lord, overlord of all of his household and his lands. And yet he's going to take the position of something a servant should do? You see, the, he would essentially, he would put, if we put it in today's language, he would roll up his sleeves and become the waiter. He would roll up his sleeves and become the servant. Do you see what he's doing? Do you see the gospel in this? Do you see what our God is like? The master becomes the servant and the servants enjoy the richest fare of the house and recline at the master's sumptuous table. 
and he, the master, serves them, indulges them. That's a prodigal God. That's a prodigal God that does things like that. You see, Jesus pronounced a blessing on those servants who stayed ready for the master's return whenever that may be. Now, we come to the next story in the parable, next parable, the unexpected return. The other parable that Jesus told his followers was not that of a happy return, a joyful return, but that of a thief breaking in to his house. Now, I don't know whether you know this or not, but burglars generally don't send Hallmark greeting cards. They don't send you, hey, by the way, heads up, I'm going to be coming in and robbing your house at, at 2 o'clock uh, this afternoon. They don't work like that. <laughs> and in order to make sure that your stuff doesn't get taken off and sold, uh, there had to be vigilance. The head of the household had to keep diligently protecting at all times against potential break-ins. This is something that had to be done. You couldn't just say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, it's been a couple of days. I guess I better go check on the house. No. Remember a lot of the houses then, a lot of the part of that were walls, walls that were made uh, not out of concrete like we have today, but stone perhaps, but there would still be a lot of other material. There were a lot of ways you could break in in those days and under those circumstances. You see, the head of the household had that responsibility to protect at all times against potential break-in. Here's a couple of passages um, uh, well, once again, I because of that's that's my that's my the sheet that I'm missing is the one that's got it's got my uh, uh, scripture passages. But I'll give it out to you, uh, state state it out to you. First Thessalonians five two, and Second Peter three ten, uh, and both of those passages are again talking about being on your alert, being ready. You don't know when the master is coming, and so they both are warning. Again, to be vigilant, to be on guard, and be ready, and be ready to protect. Those passages, those two that I mentioned, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 2 Peter 3, 10, and there are others in our Bibles that reflect that in the New Testament as well. But those passages, along with what Jesus is teaching today in these two parables that I've just gone through, both of those, along with the passages, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Peter, and Jesus' teaching, and the other gospel writers, Matthew and Mark. Matthew, all of them make one thing abundantly clear. So whether you're talking about Jesus in this story, whether you're talking about those passages and others like them in the New Testament, in uh, Paul's writings and Peter's and others, 
or whether you're talking about the two other gospel cohorts with Luke, Matthew and Mark, they make one thing absolutely abundantly clear. And that is we know some things about the time of things to come. There are sometimes clues or things given to us to understand and comprehend what's going on in a very confused world, in a fallen world. And what is God doing? And when is he doing? And when is he working? And how is he working? So we know some things about some things to come. But about other things, we don't have a clue. We are absolutely lost like a blind goose in a snowstorm. We, we, we're, we're hopeless. And you know what's really interesting? What's really interesting about this? This is a question of signs or no signs. If you read, say, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, if you read it carefully, you're going to find that all of that is not about signs all the way through, specific signs. Some things are about signs that are things that we can maybe begin to get a grip on. And yet other things have no signs. There's no way you can know. There's no way you can figure it out. You're absolutely clueless as to how that's going to happen and the timing of that. And yet this crazy thing about it, folks, is that you get so often, us Christians, we get it all backwards. We get all spun up and excited about signs when there really are no signs. And we ignore the signs when they are there. They're given for a reason, but a lot of times people go and start putting, oh, well, this is, this is a sign here, and they put it over here. No, that, that, that said it doesn't have a sign. So the point is, back to what I'm saying, we know some things about things to come, but there are many other things we have to wait and have to be ready and be in anticipation of when it comes. Now, guess what? I know this is going to surprise you. Peter gets confused again. How many times? <laughs> Good old lovable Peter. But boy, you can't, can, one thing you can't say about it, he's not, he's not afraid. <laughs> he, he is, he's ready to, to uh, teacher, I got my hand up. Uh, I, I got a question here. Um, who, who are you talking to? There's a lot of people out here. You see, he is not sure just who the they are that Jesus has been addressing. Who are these people? As you go on and you read in further down in verse 42 and, and beyond... Who are the, the they there? Is that the disciples? Is that, uh, is that Israel? Is that, uh, you know, 
who, who is that? Is that just the most intimate 12? Is that the whole crew of people? Or does that include the Pharisees and the religious leaders? Peter's not sure at all. Now, how do we make that? How do we, you, you heard as I read through that. It's kind of a little bit hard to understand. Okay, so what is this? There's some, there's some things there that are a, a little bit uh, hard to comprehend. So here's what I'd like to suggest. I'm going to give you one option, and I'm going to give you a second option. I'm going to give you on the one hand and on the other. On the one hand, what Jesus has been talking about and is talking about all the way through to the end, verse 48, he is talking, obviously, to someone, not to no one. He's talking to someone or someones. And on the one hand, Jesus' answer in verse 42 Suggest that he's speaking of servants who have very specific responsibilities for other servants. It's not, this is not just an individual. This is someone that is overseeing or taking care of or providing for others. He implies he is speaking, first of all, essentially to Peter and his associates. Now, those that believe that's what this is talking about, this is, that's what all of this, though it's hard to understand, a lot of people think that is the picture here. Uh, some even believe that John 22, 15 through 17, that's the, the, when Jesus, after the resurrection, and he fixes breakfast, you remember, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And you remember how Peter responds, hey, Lord, yeah, sure, sure, I do. No, Peter, second time, do you love me? Third time. Some people think that may be the same, this, what this text is talking about is that. It's the relationship and the importance of the apostles then that would be, on time become elders as time goes on until the Lord returns there would be elders, it would be apostles, and then there would be elders and pastors. And that's why the warnings about not many of you become pastors and so forth. So that could fit this portion, this last portion of the text. That is one, I think, very conceivable possibility. It might be the closest answer, but it might not. On the other hand, throughout the gospel and particularly of Luke, much more so than, than Mark or, or um, Matthew, throughout the, Luke's gospel, it seems, he seems to suggest that the they, whoever these they that Jesus is warning about getting beat with stripes and all of that stuff that we, we, we heard, Luke seems to suggest that the they refers to principally events and people that Jesus knew would happen within the lifetime of his contemporaries. 
In other words, this is not just singling out Peter or even the, the apostles or even the disciples in general. This is talking about things that Jesus knew these things are going to go down in my lifetime and my death and in my resurrection. These are all things, and after I have returned to the Father, there will be a great judgment, a day of vengeance. And that's what we see, and Jesus warned of it over and over. He'll do it in Luke. He's done it in, 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 in Matthew and in Mark, what we call the Olivet Discourse and the destruction of Jerusalem that was coming, in which Israel is being taken off the playing field. And the church comes and carries forward the role that the apostates had. So there is that possibility, either one of these. Do I know absolutely? Am I confident? Which, no. I'm leaving you with a so to speak, a coin toss. I think, I think there's plausibility in both. But that's all I can do for you today. And certainly, it is very closer to home as we apply this to the idea of pastors and teachers and the responsibility to care for and take care of one another and those who hold higher offices and those who serve under them the importance of that jesus takes very seriously that so jesus closes with a universal principle those who receive a greater portion of divine revelation bear a proportionately greater weight of responsibility whatever that's talking about that axiom is true jesus is saying those who receive a greater portion of divine revelation bear a proportional greater weight of responsibility now we are responsible for the truth that comes to us somebody says well i didn't want it <laughs> If the truth has come to you, you and I are responsible what we do with it. We can receive it. We can reject it. But we're responsible to the truth that has come to us. And Jesus is saying there is no way to wiggle out of that. You see, it only seems as though evil will win. But God sees it all and he will reward his faithful followers and bring them to his forever home either sooner or later. It might be a martyr and thus sooner. It might be a long time like John. We don't know which the lot will be. That's in the hand of the Lord. But we know that the end, his followers, his children, his disciples, his faithful ones will be with him sooner or later. And that is a great and comforting thought. 
Remember what I said, even though I don't have the words to it right now, uh, about the first verse of, are you ready? Well, most of the way through, it keeps asking that question, are you ready? Are you ready? And I hope today that you say, yes, yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for even the places that are difficult at times for us to, to comprehend and understand. And, and yet, Lord, we thank you that you have given us your inscripturated word so that we might know you better and that we might see the kind of God that you are, the kind of God that becomes a servant to sinful people like us in the gospel. And Father, the one who, even if the worst things happen to us in this world, nothing will keep us from the world to come and the new heavens and the new earth that you are bringing. Father, now as we prepare to receive your supper that you provided for us to encourage us and to strengthen us and sustain us. Lord, let us know and feel the nearness of our God as our greatest good. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our hymn of response, our preparation.